I, I love Christmas. I, I love I love the season, but I love what the essence of Christmas is, and and I and I love Jesus Christ, and and I'm 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 blown away every Christmas season uh, as I read the story. I, I sat down this morning. I just I read the story. And it never ceases to amaze me. It, it, I just, I look at it, and I just, I just am blown away by it. And so this morning, I just want to, I just want to talk about the simple story of Christmas, just for a few minutes. I'm not going to take very long because uh, I know you've eaten well, and it's nice and warm in here, and and so I don't want to rock you to sleep. And uh, I know the, the the kids are ready to go. They're they're ripping and snorting, but stories. In human, it doesn't really matter what culture you're in, but stories have a way over time of taking a life of their own. They, 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 they seem to get bigger. Now, we kid each other, especially as men, we kid each other about hunting stories and fishing stories and, and, and sports. I mean, those of us that played sports, you know, we're a lot better athletes today than we actually were then. But stories have a way of taking on a, a life of their own. And the more uh, a story or an event or a person is, is talked about, the bigger the story seems to get. And it often takes on details that, that may or may not be factual. And especially when that story is recounted orally. Uh, most of you have played the, the party game where you whisper a, a sentence in somebody's ear and they whisper it to the next person. It goes around the room until it gets back. And it's usually nothing like the sentence that was whispered originally. And so as time passes, stories are like that. And as people pass, those, those details and those additions, they, they just get accepted, whether they are, are true or not. And the story takes on, you know, it takes on stuff. It's like a Christmas tree. I mean, I don't know how your Christmas tree is, but over the years, ours has gotten more stuff and more stuff and more stuff until when we get all our stuff on it, I have to I have to stick some wedges on the front side so it won't tip over. We used to tie it so it wouldn't fall. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about or is it just us? We're just pitiful and we need a new Christmas tree. But, but it, it takes on those kinds of stuff. And, and the story of the first Christmas is, is somewhat like that. We've got all kinds of stuff that go with Christmas now. But, but the original story, that first story, was very simple and very, very profound. The details and the descriptions that are given by, by Matthew and by Luke, they're very pointed they're very precise. But in 2,000 years, a lot has happened. And, and the story has kind of taken on all kinds of elements that are just accepted, yet they were never intended to be the point of the story. They, they make, most of them are just details, okay? And details are important. But when God sent His Son, He did it in a, a very simple manner with a few important details. And throughout the Scriptures, God has left us signposts. And, and we could go back this morning if, if we uh, had the time and we could look at all of those details. We're not going to do that this morning. But from Genesis to Malachi, God has given clues about what He was going to do to the people that were paying attention, to the people that were listening. He made it clear that, that, that the birth of the Messiah would be a birth, a virgin birth, which is a, a really a big deal. Okay, 
He made it, he made it a point to, to show that. He, he, he told us the place where it would be. It would be in Bethlehem. He, I mean, he, he's, he, he pointed the town out. He, he told us that, that, that when this Messiah was born, that he would be of royal descent. He would be a son of David. Over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, that truth is pointed out. He, he tells us in, in, in uh, Isaiah, and, and Matthew recounts it, but he even tells us that he himself was coming. That he would be that, he would be that child. He would be that king that came. And, and, and we find that in the name, Emmanuel. God with us. God spoke to the people that were listening. And so we have to pay attention. We have to be alert. Or very often when God speaks, we miss what he's saying. We miss the direction that he wants to take us in. God never stutters. Okay? He never stumbles over his word. He never misspeaks in what he's saying. But when he speaks, we need to listen. Or we miss what he's doing. And so I want this morning, I want to just, I want to give you the simple story. And, and you know, what I believe the essence of, of, of the Christmas story is. And the truth that God's wanting us to understand. And maybe a couple of whys. If that's okay with you. In Luke, Luke writes, Luke is a historian. He's, he's an educated man. He's a doctor. And he, he, is a, he is very precise. He locates the story. He tells us all kinds of things about it. And I love the story, the, 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 the nativity account and the birth account in Luke. And so this morning, I want to read you a couple of verses and out of that couple of verses, we're going to look at eight words, okay? Because I believe in those eight words are the essence of, of, the, of the story of Christmas. And Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, here's the simple, of, of, uh, the simple account of what really happened. And it says in verse 6, while they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her, for Mary, to give birth. And the Bible says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In Luke chapter 2, there are a host of very precise details about the birth of Jesus. Luke is a, Luke is a very meticulous writer. Like I said, he's a, he's a historian and he's writing this this account, this gospel, to give to a man who, who loves the Lord but doesn't know everything about it. And so he's very precise as he writes it. And so he, he, he spends time validating who the rulers are. I mean, he gives us the ruler of Rome, Caesar Augustus. He gives us even the governor of, of Syria. He, he, he gives us the name there. He, he, he tells us about the decree, the, the census that was, that was taken. And by the way, Caesar, it, it wasn't Caesar Augustus's idea, okay? It was God's idea. He used Caesar and he used the census to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. It was the perfect moment in history. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Galatians, he says, in the fullness of time. At the exact moment when, when the world could hear. 
God brought forth his son. And so Luke reminds us and he tells us about, he tells us about that, that census. He, he tells us about Mary and Joseph traveling from Bethlehem. I mean, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, in my mind, I see Mary on a donkey, okay? I don't know if she rode a donkey or not, okay? I doubt she rode a horse. I'm fairly confident she didn't ride a camel. I'm not sure she could have walked, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but I've been around a lot of people that were, okay? And I just, I just don't, I don't know how long it took them to get to, to Bethlehem. But Luke tells us that they traveled and where they came from, where they went. He, he, he tells us about the stable. And, and, and we know that because he talks about there was no room for them in the inn. And the next thing is they laid the baby in a manger. So it's obvious that they were in a stable. Now that stable may have been a, a lean-to barn off the building, or it may have been a cave. I've been to Israel and, and the, the Church of the Nativity, which is probably the oldest church in the world, is, is built over a, a cave. It's built over a grotto. And, and, and for me, that's where Jesus was born, okay? I'm good with that. I've, I've touched the star in, in the manger or in the, in the stone feeding trough, and I'm good with that. But you know, I don't know. I just know that, that he was born in a stable. We know there were shepherds. Uh, Bethlehem is famous for its shepherds. And they, they were famous. That's where the sheep were raised that, that were used for the, for the Passover sacrifice. That's where the sheep, most of the sheep were raised that were used at the temple for the sacrifices. So, we, you know, we know about the shepherds. We know about the, the swaddling clothes. We know about the manger. We know about the, the angels in the skies. But all of those details, they are important. But they are only details that point us to the most important thing. They're not the most important thing. Jesus did not have to be born in a stable. He didn't have to tell, the angels didn't have to tell shepherds. He didn't have to, be, well, he probably would have been wrapped in swaddling clothes because I think that's what all the mothers did. But those are details. Now, they, they help us understand the moment. They, they place it in a historical setting. And they are important, but they're not the story. That's the thing. They're not the story. If I live to see thirsty, and I, unless I eat too much from what I packed on a plate while ago and put in the truck i plan to the lord willing but if i live to 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 see thursday it will be my 58th christmas okay and in that time uh you know i've been involved in christmas pageants since i was four years old okay i've been a shepherd i've been a wise man i've been i was even the angel one year at, at Gardendale First Baptist, and I broke the wings off walking through the door, so I, my wings did like this. I mean, I, I've played, I've never been Joseph, as far as I can remember, and I was too big to be baby Jesus, I guess, so I never got to play those parts. But I've, I've heard the story, I've, I've seen the story emphasized, every aspect of it. I've seen it told in fresh ways, and I've seen it told in new ways, and, and ways I don't really get or understand, but somebody did. I, I've, I've been a part of it. I, I've heard countless sermons. I've read countless accounts and, 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 and just any number of, of commentaries. 
I can almost quote the passage, not because I've, I've sat down and memorized it, but because I've heard it so many times. When I, when I hear it, my lips begin to move. I'm familiar with it. I know about the census. I know how tough and disruptive it was on the people of the world at that time. In my mind, I, like I said a while ago, I can see a nine-month Mary riding a donkey, and it just, it, I just don't see how she did it. I've been from, from, from Jerusalem up to Nazareth, and it's, it's about 75 miles, I think. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a long walk, and they didn't have an interstate system or cars then. And so I, I can see those things. I, I, I know about the infamous uh, innkeeper who was so mean and ugly. By the way, that's, that's details that you don't really find in Scripture. We've kind of built that from an argument of where well, there's not really an argument. But, but I, I know about that. And he was unwilling to do what he should have done. And I, you know, I, I grew up on a farm, so I know what a stable's like. It wasn't pristine. It wasn't a delivery room like we have. It was, it was a dirty place. And it was full of, it was full of, of probably uh, uh, donkeys and, and maybe horses and, and, and maybe some cattle. And so in my mind, I can see that manger. I can, I've seen enough mangers with straw in them. Straw or, 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 or hay. I don't know, but it was one of them, okay? And then I can see all the menagerie of folks that came for a visit. I even see, I can even imagine the little drummer boy, Parumpa Bum Bum, okay? I mean, I know the story. And in every way, but the setting of the story, and I want to emphasize this again, the historical details are important, but they're not the story, okay? Now, I've said all that to say this. So what is the story? What, what is the essence? Well, I think it's the first eight words that you find in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It says, and she, who's she? Mary. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. Who's her firstborn son? Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. That's the simple story of Jesus. That's, that's the simple uh, message. Now, it's not so simple. It's not so, you know, it's not so common as we would think. John, as he writes his gospel, he doesn't really give us the account of what took place in Bethlehem, but he gives us, in another way, these eight words, okay? In John chapter 1, verse 14, this is what John says, And the Word became flesh. I could stop right there, but the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. We saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In that moment, God became flesh. Folks, that's the essence of the Christmas story. That had never, ever happened before, and it will never, ever happen again. It's a very unique moment. Don't miss it. God became flesh. He became, let me put it, let me put it maybe a, a way that, that, that will speak to you even more. God became one of us. Look at the person sitting next to you. God became a human being. Just like that person sitting next to you. Ten fingers. 
two arms, two eyes. God descended. He left heaven. He condescended. He, he, he laid aside. He, he didn't give up his glory. He veiled his glory. He covered his glory with humanity. I don't understand. I'm preaching way over my head this morning. I'm glad I got this pulpit here because I don't understand that. Okay? I can't explain that. I don't know why he would do that. But he veiled himself. He, he became human. And he chose to live his life as a human being. Okay? The creator identified with the creation by taking on humanity. God became flesh. He became human. He became touchable. He became approachable. He became vulnerable. You know, we would love it, the story to be like this, that he, he burst on the scene like he ripped time and space open like Arnold Schwarzenegger in an action uh, film. But, but that's not the way God came. God came in the flesh. He became a baby, a helpless baby. And he was born in the same way that every other baby before him had been born. God became one of us. He became like you. He became like me. I don't understand that. The omnipotent omniscient, omnipresent God became flesh. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. He says, although he, although Jesus existed in the form of God, he existed as God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be grabbed for and held on to. Like if he, if he let go of it, he would lose it. That's what it means. But he emptied himself. That word emptied does not mean he poured himself out and, and stepped away from himself. It means that he veiled himself. He covered up his God stuff. And he became visible. And he became real. He, be he didn't just become visible. He became a real human being. I, I want you to understand this. Okay? When Jesus became that baby in the manger, when he was birthed into this world, he took on a form that he will never give up. When he returns, he will return as the God-man. Okay? He will have the scars. They will be there. Scripture says that. When he took on flesh, he took on something that he would never relinquish again. I can't, I, I just can't grasp that. But that's what he did. And he, he, he took on himself the form of a bondservant, a human being. And he be, be, being made in the likeness of men. He became one of us. And I've said this two or three times, but that blows my mind. It's beyond my capabilities. But regardless of my inabilities, the truth is still the truth. God the Son became flesh. Folks, that is the essence of the Christmas story. That's why we celebrate this morning. That's why this celebration is 2,000 years old. 
It's not because of all the other stuff that has attached itself to it. It's because of the story of Jesus. It's the story of God becoming flesh. There's nothing wrong with the rest of the stuff for the most part. But that's just details. That's just extra ornaments on the tree. The purpose of Christmas. The real message of Christmas is that God became flesh. Now, I'm a person that likes to ask questions. So I just, you know, I say, why? Why would God, you know, why would God become like me? Well, in a simple sentence, He came so that He could satisfy and fulfill God's plan and requirements. You know, what do I mean by that? He came to fulfill God's plan and requirements. From the beginning, God's desire has been for humanity to live a spirit-filled life in obedience to God. That's just bottom line. God breathed the spirit of life. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. I believe He breathed Him into Adam. And Adam became a living soul. And Adam was to walk in fellowship He and Eve were to walk in fellowship with God. They were to to be empowered by the Spirit, and they were to be obedient to what God told them to do. That was to be their life. That doesn't mean that they were going to be slaves or or servants. It just means that, that God empowered them to have a relationship with Him. Obedience. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Well, in fact, last week we talked about how if you love God, it's, it's seen through our obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And, and we know that there's, there's no way to, to live the Christian life unless you are filled with the Spirit. And so God empowered Adam. And He empowered Eve. But they threw it away. And so since Adam, no man, no woman, no person has been able to do that. They couldn't have the relationship that God created them to have. The original blueprint that that he laid out. They could not have that relationship. And so, in coming, Jesus lived a life without sin. He did not sin. He did not disobey God. He He depended completely on the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, it qualified him to be the sacrifice, to pay for the sin of all humanity. Jesus was sinless. Scripture calls him a lamb. He was, he was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. God became flesh. So that the penalty of sin. The penalty of death. Could be fully paid for. And then it could be set aside. You see God couldn't just wink at our sin folks. He couldn't just blow it off. He couldn't say. Well, you know what? That's not a big deal. Let's go this direction. It had to be dealt with. And there wasn't a man to do it. And so Jesus became that man. And he picked up where Adam had, had failed. Where he had, he had failed to continue. Where he had fallen. He picked up. It was like he picked up the fumble. That Adam fumbled. And he ran it into the end zone and scored a touchdown. 
Scripture says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, being found in the appearance as a man. Being found as a man. That's what Paul is saying. That's what the Greek means there. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Jesus walked in complete obedience into the, the fullest obedience by dying for us. For dying for you and for dying for me. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He didn't just pay for our sins, folks. He became our sins. So that we could become the righteousness of God. We can't be good enough. Listen to me this morning. You can't be good enough to earn God's love. Jesus did it. And he gave it to us as a gift. That's why we give gifts on Christmas. Okay? Every time we give a gift, it's a reflection of the gift that God gave us. So why would God do that? Why? Why would he come for a relationship with a creature or a creation that for the most part could care less. Why would he do that? Why would he die for us? Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, listen to this. Why? Because God loves you with an immeasurable love. You cannot measure it. It's unconditional. It has no conditions. He loves you. Christmas is not about religious celebrations. It's not about secular celebrations. It, it's, it's all about the restoration of a relationship. God loves us with an immeasurable love, and He desires a relationship with us, with you. He wants to walk with you day by day, moment by moment, just as He walked with Adam, just as He walked with Eve. That's why God created us, folks. He doesn't need us to do things. He's got angels. And based on what I read in Scripture and have heard from other people, they do them so much better than we do them. So He doesn't need us to work for Him. He doesn't need us to, for servants so that, that we can do the things He doesn't want to do. He wants us for relationship. He created us for relationship. He desires relationship. God cared enough about you to step down out of heaven. He cared enough about you to leave the splendor and the glory of heaven and become you, in a sense. Become me. He became flesh. He was willing to be born in a stable. He was willing to be ridiculed and teased. He was willing to be called names and to be misunderstood. He was willing to be cold and tired, and hungry, and pushed, and shoved, and talked about, and denounced, and cursed. He was willing to do that. He was willing to accept our beating, your beating. He was willing to accept the spit that, was, that should have hit us. He was willing to accept that. He was willing to be humiliated with a humiliation that wasn't His. He was willing to have that thorn of 
crown of thorns pressed on his head. He was willing to, 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 to have that cross on his back, to have those spikes driven through his, his hands and his feet, to be pierced with that, that uh, spear. He was willing, folks, to be cursed by God. Because Scripture says, cursed is anyone who's hanged on a tree. He was willing to take that curse. So it, this, the story of Christmas is really not about the manger. It's not about swaddling clothes. It, it's not about sheep or, or when the wise men came. It, it's not about shepherds. It's not about barns or caves. It, it's really not about turkey or ham. It's not about family get-togethers. Not about pecan pie or eggnog. It's about a God who loved us enough and who loves us enough to leave His throne and to come to this place and be one of us and pay the penalty so that we could be with Him forever and ever and ever. And so that we could enjoy that relationship. Not just... Fire insurance, okay? Not just a ticket out of hell, a get out of jail or a hell card, but a relationship. Folks, don't miss the message for the minutia of all the details. I mean, there are all kinds of details and they're important, but they're not the message of Christmas. Don't miss God's message in this season of time due to all the activities that, that we have around us. I mean, listen, for the next... Three or four or five days, it's going to be a blur. Amen? Let's just be real honest. It's going to be a blur. It's going to be a blur. Don't miss the message. Don't miss the fact that God loves you. If I could, if I could sum everything I've said this morning up in a Bible verse, this would be it. It's found in John Chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. I remember years ago when, when I went through uh, some, some soul winning and evangelism courses that I was taught to take this verse and put my name in it. For God so loved Nelson. For God so loved Bill and Joe and Penny and Tammy and Fred. Debbie, Charlie, for God so loved me. See, when I celebrate Christmas this year, there's going to be a moment or two where I get by myself and I remind myself, God, you came for me. Me. If I'd been the only one here, you would have come for me. And you know what? I can't say that. And it be exclusive. The reality of it is, God came for you. You can say that. God, if I'd been the only one here, you would have come for me. You came for me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Folks, that is the simple message of Christmas. What's the story? God became flesh. Why? Because he wanted to pay for our sins so they could have a relationship with us. Why? 
because he loved us. If you've ever talked to a child and you get in one of those situations where they have one of those questions that are just kind of, you know the questions. Uh, They come out of, I'm not going to give any of them an idea, but they just come out of the blue. And then after that, what do they usually do? You, you, You give a long explanation and they go, why? 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 And then at some point, The answer to the why is enough. Folks, because he loves you and me is the answer to the why. Don't get tangled up in all the stuff this Christmas. Hey, go shopping. God bless you. I hope you finished yours. But if you hadn't, have had it. You won't see me there. Okay? I'm done. Wrap the gifts, put them in. I mean, that's all a part of our celebration. I mean, put, put the lights on the house, the manger scene in the yard. Put your, your shepherds there with your wise men. Do everything. I mean, Thursday morning, we're going to eat breakfast at our house like a king. We'll have all our family there, and we're going to rip gifts and snort and, and laugh and have a great time, okay? Do that. Love on those babies and those grandbabies. Make memories. But in doing all of that, don't let all of those details steal the essence of why you're doing it. Folks, God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.